Hello, I'm Rachel Balducci. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Overcommitted. Today we're going to be talking about the idea of vocation and how that is so tied into what we do in a day. I think this is a really important concept to understand and not just the idea of like I have a vocation either as a wife and a mother or, you know, as a nurse or um, whatever your vocation might be. But today we're going to really talk about the concept of vocation and then where God can be found within that. So the idea of a vocation was really mind-blowing for me. And now I feel like so many people really understand it. But I'll tell you, I didn't really truly get this idea until Paul and I had been married for about a year or two. And we were in a small group that studied about love and marriage. We studied this book, and um, I'll put the the name of the book in the show notes. But um, we read this book, and for the first time, it was like I was really understanding the truth of my vocation, which was that God had asked, you know, chosen me and Paul to be married to each other, and that he had a special plan really for the life of the church as a result of our marriage. This was so mind-blowing to me because, I'll be honest, I spent a couple of years really not particularly wanting to be a nun, but wanting to do something good for Jesus. And I figured basically that was, you know, if you really wanted a life devoted to Jesus, then for me as a woman, I would be a nun. And I spent several summers working with the Missionaries of Charity. And one summer in particular, I mean, it was funny because Paul and I were starting to date. So it wasn't like I was saying all this because, you know, there was no man in my life. And so I guess I needed to be a nun. Like, okay, it looks, you know, like this is a guy that I could really marry. But before I do this, I just want to give you one last chance, God, to kind of take me as your own, because it's sort of all or nothing. And it was obvious, it was just very clear to me that God's call in my life was not to be a nun, even though I loved being with the sisters, and I loved that kind of work. And obviously, all the good that they do, it's just very um, compelling. And their joy is so contagious that you just want to have that. But by the end of the summer, it was really, you know, like that was not God's plan for me. And um, a couple of summers later, Paul and I were getting married. I had just graduated college and he was done with law school and we got married. And it, it very happy marriage. And we both came from parents who had really excellent marriages. But in, I think somehow I had, you know, this this deep misunderstanding or I was missing the truth of the importance of the vocation of marriage. And so we read this book and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing that we're doing, this marriage, this having children, it's a big deal. And again, for those of you who like get that, you know, bear with me. We were even living in this intentional Christian community. Like my faith was very important to me, but I just didn't understand the reality of marriage really being something that can change the world. And not because you go off and you're a missionary. Like the act of loving this person that God has put in your life is transformative for you. And then that love really is an important part of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, so I get this concept and it starts to really show me the truth of kind of the importance of what I'm doing in a day. And it still took me a little while to get this idea, though, that marriage is a vocation. So it's my most important thing. But it wasn't like marriage was important, but then you were also going to get to do the really important stuff. That somehow there was this distinction between the adventurous, really cool stuff and then marriage and motherhood and the day-to-day life. And kind of in the midst of this, I had this aha moment. 
So by now I had six kids and, you know, I was, I love being a mom. I love being a wife. And, you know, the highs are high and the lows are low. Don't get me wrong. It's not like just bliss all the time. But, you know, the reality of day-to-day existence is it's just an honor and a joy to get to be a wife and a mom. Um, And in the midst of that, Isabel, our youngest, she was like three or four at the time. And I got invited to go on sort of a mission trip, but not just a mission trip. It was, I was invited as a blogger as a journalist to go observe this Catholic ministry that did work in third world countries. We were kind of involved in this because we sponsored a child through this group. And so I got to go to El Salvador and I spent like five days down there staying in this, you know, this place with these other writers and going out into the field each day and observing and not really doing mission work per se, but seeing what the group did and how it was changing lives, the lives of impoverished people, people who just needed $30 sent from the U.S. to help sponsor them to go to school. And it helped women start small businesses. I mean, it was just amazing. One afternoon I spent riding up a mountain in the back of a truck with a bunch of workers and the other writers and off in the distance there was a volcano across the border in Guatemala and it was just like out of control the whole thing was amazing you know and I'm writing about it and I'm sharing the truth of like the impact of your sponsorship and you know it was kind of like free advertising but it was something that I like truly believed in and it was just incredible And, you know, fast forward a few days and I'm back home doing mom things. And I remember leaning down, switching over laundry, pulling a dirty, you know, black athletic sock from the right side out, out, making it the right side out and saying to God, you know, this is really not a good use of my time and gifts. Super duper prideful and kind of, you know, instead of God being mad at me, I remember just feeling like he just smiled at me and like I just had this wave of love come through me and it was almost like God as this patient father saying, you're wrong, but it's okay. I love you still. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever had those sort of like aha moments where I was humbled. I wasn't humiliated, but I was humbled because I saw somehow in that moment of grace that the thing I was doing with that laundry in that moment was every bit as important in, the, in my life and in the life of the church, believe it or not, as that moment of riding up that mountain in the back of a truck, that God was using me as much in that moment as he was in this humble, simple, unseen moment in my laundry room. And that's the reality of our vocation is understanding that whatever we're doing, whether it's grand and visible and exhilarating, or whether it's really small and nobody sees it, These are the things that God is asking us to do and that he's using them. He's using it to draw us closer to him. And ultimately, that's the most important thing is he's there with us and it's part of his plan for us. Um, Catherine Catherine Doherty writes about this, the, um, the duty of the moment and how if we really get in this habit of seeing the thing that we're doing as the thing that God is calling us to do, then everything we're doing is grand and glorious. You know, and I know that sounds crazy because it's like, really, Rach, like you putting dirty socks in a washing machine does not compare to you, you know, pulling an avocado off a tree in El Salvador and seeing how people are living off the land on their own. But it is somehow because the reality is we can't always be off doing those things anyway and not in the season of life I'm in. But that doesn't mean that the, you know, 
the grand, glorious adventure of life with God is on hold until my kids are grown and I'm free to just kind of, you know, Paul and I can just go where we want. The grand, glorious adventure is happening right now in this moment in the thing that you're doing. How this relates to being overcommitted is just knowing that. Because when you walk in that truth of like the thing you're doing right now, whether it's being a volunteer in your kid's school or, you know, helping a patient get through something really difficult at the hospital you work at or frying up this chicken right in this moment, if God is there with you in the middle of it, it's the thing he's asking you to do. And so then you don't feel that you have to just go off somewhere to find who you really are. It's happening. You finding who you really are is happening right here in this moment. But none of this can happen unless we learn to really trust that God has a plan for our lives. If we think that the feelings that we feel are dependent on us finding this magical equation, you know, I don't feel good right now. I have to go out and figure out who I am. Now, I'm all for mission trips, and I think a lot of deep conversions happen. Um, God really can meet us in a special way when we go to a retreat. We retreat from our daily lives, or we go off and we do something. And, you know, I think especially service to the poor is really an excellent way to find God. Like, he just shows up because he He just loves the poor so much. And I think when we're there serving, we really can tangibly experience his love. Okay, but again, then that ends and you're back to regular life. And it's really learning to to embrace that God is right here with you in every part of your day. And then you embrace that concept and you operate in that freedom. And one, you find great freedom in the day-to-day you know, aspects of your life. And then two, you're making the right kind of choices about your yes and your no. And that helps you not feel so frazzled and it helps you not feel like you're overcommitted. You know, if God has a plan for you and our God is a God of peace and joy, then those two are going to connect to create peace and joy for you in your life. And I have I have lived the fruit of this. So trust me on this one, that you don't have to spend your days, no matter what's going on, feeling like you're just white knuckling your way through every single day from here until the end of time. God wants you to love your life and he wants you to have great freedom. And I think, you know, I just, it's kind of a something I've focused on um, because I've, I've seen that, making that connection between knowing that my vocation is as a wife and a mom and wanting to feel a sense of adventure in my life. Like, we love those kind of stories. Like, okay, where's the connection here? And the connection is God is there with you. And he's a God who dreams so much bigger than you can. And you have to trust that. You know, and again, just because things feel dreary and overwhelming and you're in a funk right this minute, it doesn't mean life's always going to be that way. We all go through those times and learning to really trust in God's plan. You know, that that litany of trust that I read in the last episode is just such a good thing to learn to really like read it and then learn to ask God to really help you believe it. One thing I want to talk about today is living within your vocation. We talked a little bit about boundaries in the last episode. Now we're talking about vocation. And what does it mean to live within your vocation? And that really, again, goes back to this idea of knowing our vocation is this special mission that we have from God, right? And it's not the specific, it's the specific mission. And then the details within that mission varies for each one of us. But for me, my vocation to marriage and to motherhood means that my sanctification, a lot of that's going to come 
from the details of that. So I operate within that. I don't have to try to find sanctification outside of my vocation. It's like, you know, God has given me this call to be married and to to be a mom to my children. And so he's going to meet me there in that place. And the details of my life are a part of my sanctification. And again, Catherine Dougherty's The Duty of the Moment talks about that, you know, sweeping this floor for God, wiping this runny nose for God. Anything that is done for God really becomes glorious and even glamorous. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. We have to work within our vocation. And when we really lean into that, we start to like create a path that doesn't make room for fear. And if you've ever operated out of fear, it's it's really a bad place to make decisions. Um, I went through a season where I actually, I read this in a book and it sounds super flaky. Um, it is super flaky, but it worked for me in this season where I knew fear was trying to be a part of the deal. Fear wanted to be a part of the conversation for me. And I couldn't pretend that fear wasn't there. But what I learned to do is tell fear and anxiety. Anxiety is another one that likes to hang around. I acknowledge that you're here, but you don't get to make a decision here. You don't get to have a say in this decision. Fear, I think, in in the lives of people who run an overcommitted lifestyle, fear is present there because we are afraid of missing out or we are afraid of not doing the right thing or we are afraid that, you know, what we're doing doesn't add up to a, a good day. It doesn't add up to doing enough. We're afraid that something won't get done the right way. Fear loves to be a part of scheduling. And you, you really have to learn, and I think you get the tools for this the more you lean into God's provision and God's plan for your day and God's great love for you and God and you and your sacred space together, that the more you lean into God, the less say fear can have in your life. And again, a little bit flaky, but it was very, um, uh, this was a very effective thing that I started to do is just to kind of say, hey, fear, I see you there and you don't get to talk. Okay, you can stay on your little stool in the corner of the room, but you're not a part of this conversation. And that gave me so much freedom. I also had to learn to kind of have boundaries for myself in recognizing the places that fear crept in for me. One big place that fear would creep in is through social media. Um, Social media is great for letting you see the things that you did not do. Whether you were not invited to something, you know, that's terrible. I think teenagers probably suffer so much with that level. But even, you know, as an adult, seeing the, th- the brilliant things other people are doing. Oh, I didn't think to do that. Or, oh, I want to be out on the lake on a boat all Sunday, you know, or I want to be off, you know, name whatever it is that you see somebody else doing. And so I kind of had to learn that that was a trigger for me, for lack of a better word. And that if I didn't want fear to be a part of my decision-making equation, that I had to learn to sort of put blinders on in a good way to prevent fear from getting to have a say. And so it was learning, you know, for a season to really limit the social media. Or, you know, if you have certain things out there that every time you see it, it causes a problem for you, that you have the freedom to say, you know, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to... um, you know, look at that regularly because it makes me feel bad or it makes me want to make decisions about my time and my money um, and my commitments that are not true to who I really am and not true to my vocation or not true to the season I'm in. Um, 
FOMO is what we call it. The fear of missing out is another big one. That got me in so much trouble. And this goes back to, you know, the time when I was working at the school and making decisions about my time and my commitments because I didn't want to be left out. And I clearly remember this, you know, getting asked to take on another responsibility and and nobody knew that I was as overwhelmed as I. Nobody asks us to do things because they're mean. They think we can handle it or they think we'd be a good fit for it. And it's really an honor to get asked. To, you know, that's probably part of my problem is I see it as an honor to get asked to do things. And so I kind of want to respect the fact that somebody thinks that I could do a good job at this. And so I'm like, yeah, I think I could do this. You know, and for me in this particular season that really like was such a wake up call for me is I said yes to something because I was honored to be asked, but really because I was afraid of being left out. You know, if I say yes to this, then I'll put me more in the center of where I want to be with what's going on and people I like being around. And the fruit of it was just terrible. Um, And I learned that FOMO, a fear of missing out, is in general not a good motivating factor in life. So social media and, you know, just pressures that we put on ourselves, um, wanting affirmation, not not wanting to feel rejected, you know, whatever reasons we say yes to things when we shouldn't be, that's not operating out of real freedom. And you can only get past that season if you really lean into the truth of your existence and your relationship with God. It's like, you know, the then the realities of my life are not the circumstances of, um, the latest interaction I've had or the latest fun time. And going out and having fun is great. I'm not saying this is about just staying home all the time, but learning what you truly can manage, and that'll bring you a lot of peace. One of the other things I think that causes a lot of problems for us is when we cling to things that we should not cling to. I think the story I told is a great example of that. Um, I was really holding on to this place that I thought I wanted to be. If I cling to these responsibilities, it'll put me around people that I want to be around or it'll make me feel like I'm connected or it'll make me feel like I have a purpose, you know. Um, And that was not good. So many times in life we are clinging with these tight fists to, you know, a position that we have or a responsibility or an image we think other people have of us you know, I want to look like somebody who gets a lot done. I want to be a go-getter. I want to be the person who's super involved in my kid's classroom. And none of those are bad things unless the fruit in our life is exhaustion and sadness and tons of anxiety. And then you really have to consider, what am I holding on to so tightly? And how can I let that go? And we can only let go of the things we hold on to if we're ready to let God fill our open hands. Um, I read this book years ago by um, Henry Nguyen, and it's called With Open Hands. And it's that very image of a woman who's brought into a hospital, an old woman who she's clinging so tightly to something. And it, you know, they have to work so hard because they need her hands to be open. And she doesn't want to let go. All the other things that, you know, they took her from her home and all the other things she had, they removed. They took her away from all these things. And all she has left is this thing that she's clinging to so tightly. It's her thing. It's so important. Finally, they, you know, the workers at the hospital pry her hands open. And all that's left in there is this tiny coin. And she felt like that was the thing. It was her last, you know, thing that was hers. And when she finally let it go, she was able to have the freedom to just release this thing that wasn't really all that much anyway. 
And it kind of seems like an oversimplification, but how many of us have things in our life that we cling to that we think define who we are? You know, something we're involved in, a friendship even, you know, interactions, a place that we see ourselves. This is what I bring to the table. And if I'm not willing to do this, then who am I really? And the truth is who you are really is just that sacred place that you and God coexist together. That's the reality of it. And what's so beautiful about living this way is the minute we stop holding on so tightly to the things that we think define us, we are free to be so much more than that. Because God has plans for you that are just so big and vast and wonderful, and he wants to take you places that you in your humanly limited brain could never imagine. But you have to be willing to let go of the things that you hold in your clenched fists so tightly. And you can only get to that place of trust and hope with the Lord if you spend time with him and you welcome him into every part of your day, into the grand adventure of riding in the back of a truck, into the grand adventure of putting dirty socks into a washing machine. God will find you in each of those places and he will reveal himself to you. And the more you become who God truly made you to be, You have so much more to offer the world around you. And you will find adventure in all these different places. And then real adventure, I think, will open up. You'll start to learn to say yes to the things that really matter, using the gifts God's given you, using your time in a way that you want to use it, not because you're afraid of missing out, but because you know with great confidence, this is the thing God wants for me. And when we're operating in the center of God's will, we have so much more joy and freedom than we could ever find trying to do things with our fists clenched and holding on so tightly. The more we start to do that, the more we start to operate out of real freedom. Open those hands. Ask God to show you what you're, you're holding so tight in your fists. Give that to God and ask him to teach you to trust him. And he will. He will help you have great freedom in your life. When you operate out of that freedom, you will bring Jesus everywhere you go. This great sense of adventure, this sense of great purpose will be so evident in your life. I just want to close this episode with this prayer by St. John Henry Newman. And it's a prayer that the missionaries of charity say every morning as part of their prayer. Um, And when I saw that they said this prayer and how efficient it was in their life, I knew I wanted to say this prayer as a regular part of my day as well. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance wherever I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me and then I shall begin to shine as you shine so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way you love best by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen. 
want to thank you so much for joining me today, and I pray that God blesses your day and all you do, and that you will see God with you every step of your day. God bless you.